0: Good
1: afternoon. What, what coast are you on? <laughs> I'm here in LA. How are you? Where are you?
2: Oh,
1: okay. Good morning. I'm at WeWork in Colbert City. Come on! Shout out to WeWork. Come on. What's up? Well, first and say foremost. More time? Yeah. Listen, I was gonna say. You you ready for me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Great. I can. I can hear you. Fantastic. Cause guess what? We're already recording, kid. I got you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this is how we do on the Jameer Smith show. Listen, no edits, no cleanups, no nothing. So first and foremost, everybody, I'm so excited about this interview because you have two of the busiest men in Hollywood, on the East Coast, in DC. Uh, first and foremost, y'all, Donnie Hugh is in the building. What's going on, man? How are you? <laughs> I'm amazing, thank you. I just got
0: some coffee, so I'm energized. I'm making it happen. I'm here. I'm present. I'm excited to talk to you. Thank you for
1: having me. Yeah. I'm super excited to have you, Mr. Frazier, the third in the building CEO, creative director, filmmaker, advocate, fashion trendsetter. I mean, it's like the list can go on. Let's be clear the list can go on. But very clear. (laughs) I want to start, though, with this. It is, what are we, in May? It's like the year is already almost done already, which is crazy. Yes. How have you been and how is this year going for you so far?
0: This year has been, it's been mind-blowing. Um, the things that have been happening have been really beautiful. I've been attracting great people, great opportunities, and immersing myself in the spaces that I love to occupy like with community and culture and so um, as an artist this year has been pivotal for me because we were able to showcase my work and you know tell the story and i've been in the spaces and it's just been very well received and we're only halfway we're not even halfway through the year and so many monumental things have been
1: happening so far and i you know what's interesting i said the same thing the other day i was out in orange county and i was talking to my team and i was just talking about like full circle moments and just how alignment means a lot and if you hear noise in the background i'm excited because guys when i say full circle moment I am recording live here in Hilltop, downtown L.A., Issa Rae's, what, second, third location. And when I say full circle, this amazing person that we have on the phone was a part of Giants. And it was a series that was created by the talented James Bland and also on Issa Rae's YouTube channel. Look, full circle moment, full circle moment. I was just like, wait, uh, talk about alignment
2: you want
0: to know what's crazy i literally almost came to that hilltop today see like someone me and was like i'm at hilltop downtown and i was like maybe i should go down there and like sit and get everything ready but i wanted to come to a quiet place so i can like give you this full interview and and be present in this moment in solitude
1: and i appreciate you for just being present i always say that even to myself as we're just kind of navigating life and we're just running around like crazy i think sometimes we do need to take that time just to be purposeful and just take a, take a beat. As I tell people, just take a beat. So I want to start from the beginning and it's interesting, right? So guys, Mm -hmm. he does not know the questions and everyone has been on the show over 200 episodes. No one ever asked the questions. And what I love about that is because we can get their authentic, most crazy, most loving answers. And what we love about you is your smile. We love your smile, but (laughs) let's start from the beginning how (laughs) was it being born and raised here in los angeles oh my god i talk
0: about this all the time and most of the time when i'm talking to people who are not from here but i think that it is one of the biggest blessings in life period to be able to say that you were born and raised in los angeles and not just la but south central Mm. i grew up in the jungles area which is uh, right near baldwin hills it's baldwin village but iconically known as the jungles and the way that this area and this space has shaped me as a person and the culture that it brings um, between black and brown communities and being a young black queer boy in this space and just gathering so much I think that it's one of the one of the things that I don't take for granted at all and most of us who are from LA don't take that for granted I think that um, I I would not have wanted to be born anywhere else like in the world. I've been from Los Angeles
1: is the best. Well and I've noticed that. Like I've been here five months and I have to say, you know, the people that I have built relationships with, you know, I like to live on the low a little bit. That's why I love when you were like, What coast are you on? I like I don't like the people to know where I'm at. I need to be everywhere. Okay. But besides that, I have to say to your point, I mean, I've met some amazing people that are actually born and raised here in LA. And they've said the exact same compassion that you said as well. If you think about yourself as a child, describe yourself. Were you happy? Were you sad? How were you as a child being in LA?
0: You know what? When I was a kid, I was the most sensitive person in my family. Like when I was growing up, I was a very jovial kid. Like Mm -hmm always smiling, always tender, always crying. Like, everything impacted me emotionally. And being in this space and being in L.A., I think that was my introduction. Like, my first audition happened here. Um, I was in art classes and things when I was younger because I already knew that I was a storyteller, but I was being told that I would be, like, a doctor or something because I was so smart. (laughs) And I would say primarily... Like, by default, I was just very happy. Like, I was so, the innocence of a kid, um, like, many children have that, like, type of innocence and that just happy-go-lucky, always smiling, but I was always smiling, and adults around me were always talking about my smile and my dimple. I only have one. And
2: they would
0: always just compliment that, um, like, you have such a pretty smile, you have such a pretty smile, but there were oftentimes people would tell me to stop, because around that time if you're a young boy growing up, like people wanted you to be tough or appear tough. And so your face had a lot to do with that. Yeah. And because I was such a tender person, I felt a lot more vulnerable than a lot of my other male counterparts. And so people around me did from a pr- protective standpoint wanted me to toughen up a little bit, but I never lost, lost the softness of my heart. Like it's always been there and it's still there today.
1: You know, I I feel like the weather has been crazy since I've moved to L.A. in November. And I just think about all the beautiful days that I've had since I've been here. If you could describe a perfect day when you were young, what would that have been?
2: Mm,
0: A perfect day when I was younger. Let me see. I really used to love being outside, like at the park we would go to the park and have picnics or, like, the beach, and we would go to Venice Beach and just shop around at all the little markets. So that was
2: one of the perfect days, because, of course, there's, like, ice cream involved and Mm -hmm. sunshine. You know, back then, like, L.A. was only sunny.
0: I mean, we had El Nino. That was, like, one big thing where it was raining nonstop, but beyond that, like, the perfect day was just spending time with my family and being young. And and, in L.A., there's neighborhoods. And so... Um, when I talk about being from L.A., I always talk about how, like, all of my best friends are Los Angeles niggas, too, because we have neighborhoods here, and we all grew up and we went to the same schools and things like that. So being outside and running and playing things like tag, hide and seek, um, those were the best, and, like, birthday parties at Ken and Han. So if you can combine all of those things, I would say, like, the perfect day would be
1: a birthday party at Ken and Han because you see everybody,
0: everybody you got cake, you got gifts,
1: like, right. that is the perfect day. I always think about when I was a child, you know, so many creative things um, that I would have done um, and wanted to do. Let me say that um, when you think about you and what you wanted to do when you were a kid and when you grew I'm sorry, when you were a kid and when you grew up, um, what did you really want to do when you were a child? When you grew up and you said, OK, when I grow up, this is what I want to be.
2: You know, I
0: wanted to be. Okay, so what I wanted to be was in alignment with what I was told I was going to be. I was told that I was going to be a doctor because I was so smart, but I always knew that I had, like, that healing energy. Like, that's something that I've known since the beginning of time. I knew I was a healer, Mm -hmm. but I would always play with, like, my cousins and my sister's dolls and create these worlds. Like, literally, when I look back on my childhood, I'm like, dang, I was directing, like, I was setting up this whole world. With these stuffed animals and these dolls and giving characters names and scenarios and speeding it up as if I was creating a movie. And I have one cousin, her name's Crystal. She would always be like, You're moving too fast. You're moving too fast. <laughs> one moment, one moment we we'll would be giving birth to a baby doll and then the next
1: moment they in school and then they're growing up and you know, get married, everything yeah i was like i gotta go home in a couple hours we gotta finish this
0: story and so when i was younger you know i didn't know that there was space to be a creative in this way all i knew was that the adults around me were telling me that i was gonna go to school to be a doctor because i was so smart and that was my trajectory and it's really interesting how that was my trajectory up until i graduated college and things panned out for me to infuse my creativity into the things i'm doing now so when i look back on being a kid i'm like dang i was really a storyteller back then and i knew i wanted to be a healer and now i am doing both at the same time
1: you know i'm glad that you touched on skincare because i remember reading something about you that i appreciated and i think people of color really have to look at and say wow if he can do it i can do it as well you operated a, an operate, I'm sorry, a coffee shop theme empowerment brand called Co- Cafe de la Hue, And mm-hmm. it really does emphasize the voice and the vulnerability, and it sets the tone at the table. And I mm-hmm. think whenever we talk about skin, people of color always have these notions of, okay, well, how do I keep clear skin? What do I do? What do I use? Yeah. When you thought about creating really this brand, this emphasis what, were, what was your mindset behind it?
2: So Kathleen, like
0: you started off as a bow tie line to raise money for AIDS walk. And I was working in HIV prevention um, at a clinic fresh out of college. And I was using these bow ties to spread this message. And then over the course of time, the brand evolved into... Some apparel, and I developed a wardrobe style portfolio, and then I would go around and and do speaking, public speaking engagements, and I would use my voice to empower. And then around that time, I was in a toxic relationship, and was deciding that that wasn't the best for me, and so I was figuring out in what ways can I like take care of myself. Mm -hmm. And then I developed a self care skincare line, LSU Skin, which will help improve like scars like I have some problematic skin hyperpigmentation um ingrown hairs and things like that but I also have scars from that time that I wanted to heal that nothing was working on and I did some research and I started to see like okay well what works for me I love organic and holistic things and so what types of oils or butters or infusions can I do to create something that I can use on myself so that I can like I was telling myself at the time you're healing beautifully you're healing beautifully and it was working i noticed that the more i was affirming and speaking into my skin the better and brighter it was
2: becoming Mm -hmm. the more i was like loathing it or having resentment over the areas that were concerning to me they were getting worse and so it was
1: causing more attention and so yeah the um the
0: whole vision behind Cafe Do being an empowerment brand and having so many different branches is to extend, one, my creative capabilities, but two, to let people know that, like, you're delicious from the inside out.
1: Hey. You have to start from the inside. It has to be a
0: mentality. You have to believe it. Let them Come on.
1: Has. Come on.
0: And then these are tools that you can use to, you know, help expedite that healing process. But yeah, Dough Skin has been a, such a blessing to me um because it it showed me that like i have the power to like be an alchemist and create something that really really works for me myself and people in the community they love the products
1: Well, and I was going to say, I I think about, you know, us as creatives and how we really just kind of create spaces for other people like ourselves. And you created this amazing space. And what I love is just your amazing play on, on, on words when you think about Shades of Hue LLC. It was mm-hmm. developed as a production company for cultural, entertainment, education, and consulting purposes. Why did you even create this LLC? Why did you even? It started out as a blog, but then it just manifested to this beauty. Why did yes. you even create this?
2: Yeah, so
0: Shades of Hue was
1: my Tumblr back in the day. Hey, come on, Tumblr, come on! You remember when Tumblr Tumblr was like this underground artistic uh-huh. place
0: where you could uh, express yourself. And so they had all these mediums of expression. You can put photos. You can put um, quotes. You can write a blog. And I'm a writer. I would like all these beautiful things would happen to me. To this day, people tell me like some random things will happen, and i will be like, "Dang, your life really is like a movie." Every time I hang out with you, you'll be in a movie. And I'm like, the, the most interesting things happen. So I would go to Shades of Hugh on my Tumblr, and I would blog all these. Um, all of these encounters and things. And so when I was fresh out of college, first apartment, I used to sit at this breakfast table that I had, and I had an idea to create a book or a story. And I wanted to call it Shades of You," and it would be uh, myself, like just compartmentalized into all the things that I do. Because as you can tell, I do a lot of things. Yeah. And as I was preparing to make my first film, you know, I wanted to do things the le- legitimate way. And to have a business set up so that I can of course hire our people and so I ended up thinking like "Well, what would my business be called and of course I have like this creative consulting and production and all of these beautiful creative things that I do there's
2: many shades and many parts Mm -hmm. of who I am Mm -hmm. right now call it shades of hue and hue
0: is my middle name and when I was younger I did not like it at all but because everyone around me had middle names that they can use for something. I was like, I can't use Hugh for anything. That just sounds awkward and weird. And so I grew up and realized like Hugh has been the foundation of
1: everything that I do. There you go. Cafe de Hue, Shades of
0: Hue, um Hugh styled you when I was doing wardrobe styling. There's so many different things and so yeah, Shades of Hue is just the umbrella brand, um, which Cafe de la Hue is under as well that just allows me to express
2: myself creatively and
1: artistically so you know our listeners have followed you you know you have a great career i think we think about all of your creative endeavors that you've been a part of but i think a lot of people really miss the idea of how educated you are let me ask you a quick mm-hmm. question what did you get mm-hmm. your degree in say it one
2: more time
1: what did you get your degree in
0: so i have a bachelor's of arts degree in sociology with a minor in psychology and a concentration in human services. There
1: we go. I want you to stop right there. When we found out that you had that degree and how important you were to just the service and servicing Mm -hmm. people, we saw that you really have helped so many people and created spaces for the LGBTQ plus IA community, for people of Mm -hmm. color, for men and we had a, a couple of listeners and even our team was like, wait, you've got to ask him these questions because we want to know. Yeah. When you think about the degree that you earn, what do you think are the most pressing issues in public health today? Oh my
0: gosh. Access to resources. Um, the authenticity of why people are in those spaces to serve. A lot of people are not in those seats and in those positions like genuinely carrying integrity that's a huge issue in public health i also think that the way in which the messaging and the marketing is done which is something that i specialize in as a consultant on a lot of boards i do a lot of public health communications consulting and i see how some of the messaging or some of the imagery um can one leave people out but also can be damaging or misleading and I get the persuasion and how we want, you know, community to partake in certain things. But I also see that like, there has to be a genuine care behind and within healthcare. Those are the things that I think are missing, especially as an observer, as a social observer, as a person who studies sociology and, you know, why a person does the things that they do depending on the external factors
2: that mm-hmm. affect them. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that I noticed because a lot of
0: in the spaces that I've worked, I won't say in, in public health in totality, but in the spaces that I've been in, I've noticed how, like, the whole person is not always taken into account when we're serving them. And that was what I gave to the field and to the clinics and the health spaces that I worked in. I will always be able to see this person as a whole being, serve them from that place, from a client center perspective and then see in which ways we can improve their well-being to get them to we are trying to get them to make better decisions or whatever the case may be just taking
2: that person into account
1: what do you think is the most important thing for public health professionals to keep in mind when they're advising on policy and or working with the lgbtq plus ia communities
0: that everyone is not the same, and people's needs are different. People's needs are completely different. Um, a lot of the, it, this is something that I highlighted in my film, especially in one of the main scenes where the main character Rue is a consultant on a board that is developing a research study. A lot of the people who participate in these studies do not account for the overall community. So there's a pocket of people, there's a sample, and of course you have to have that for research, but when you have a specific
2: number of people or people on boards making those decisions that don't belong to the community mm-hmm. they're serving, mm-hmm. then you make such a mark. And
0: that was something that was important for me to put in that film because I feel like if you're taking, let's say, a sample a 100 people, and there, you know, there's so many of us in one specific city and 100 people take a survey and they say, this is what we need and this is what works for us. And then an organization tailors that to, tailors their services to what those 100 people
1: What about all of the others. Exactly. And
0: mm-hmm. In this space and in this scene, we're talking about um, black MSN, black men who have sex with men and you know there's people on the board talking about nobody uses condoms where this consultant is sitting here like well i use condoms and so do many of my friends Mm -hmm. and there are stis that are still very prevalent and all this other stuff um but if you make a survey or you put out a survey and The majority of them say that they don't use condoms, but a few people say they still do. And if that majority determines whether or not free condoms are on the tables at the outreach events, then we're going to leave those people who actually use them out. And that was the message that I was trying to make, that not everyone is the same.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, it's interesting because we're about to get into our Q&A that, um, you know, we typically have people that have followed you and or have attended, you know, an event that you were a part of. And before we get into that, I just want to let everyone know, I just want y'all to see that this is not just beauty. It's a whole bunch of brains in here as well. Okay, to be clear, (laughs) to be clear. Let's talk about Ruse Blues. Mm -hmm. So you just had the opportunity to go back to my hometown, my folks out in Washington D.C. Shout out to D.C. and you shake out to (laughs) D.C. Okay, didn't the people show up for you? Listen, they welcomed me with open arms.
2: I'm still floating. Like I don't know if you can hear my energy. Oh yeah, my energy, my excitement. But D.C. welcomed me with such open arms. It was the most lovely and most beautiful experience i am so grateful for dc
0: they showed up they participated and really supported what i was doing so i'm grateful
1: forever grateful well and let me say this i'm grateful for you and we're grateful for you because it's interesting i get to go back to dc uh for pride this year and we are speaking uh for gpmc gay professional men of color and we're speaking and talking to different creatives and talking about creatives ruse blues my god today We got to explore relationships, support, lack of access to resources, health equality, health equity, integrity, really what life looks like in the attempt to grow. The first question I want to get just I want to get right into it. The first question here comes from Tim. He's actually out of D.C. is what made you to decide to become an actor?
0: What made you decide to become an actor? My first audition was Lion King at the Pantages and I bombed that. That was, that was a whole experience. <laughs> but, you know, when I was younger, I don't know, it might be a lot of Southern listeners on the podcast right now, but everyone in my family talks about how like, when I was younger, I would get up, turn the TV on, ask somebody to put on Johnny Taylor, and I would stand in the living room and perform. And I don't know why at that age I mean or any of course, but, you know I had no business at all thinking I was Johnny Taylor that
1: young but come on Johnny Taylor the,
0: the energy that he got and like how much people loved him and I would stand there and I would perform and like dance and do all these things and my family would just be so happy about it and so you know I would grow up and I would watch TV of course we have the Magic Johnson Theater in our neighborhood and I would go to the movies and see um certain films, I think the film that really made me want to be an actor, I think it was This Christmas. Mm. And I remember how that ensemble cast, it was just so many beautiful people. Um, and the story, like the the, the like how it evoked emotion, I love that. I love being able to portray and give energy and expression and connect with people, even if it's not just myself as Donnie, but as other characters where like I can present and resonate with someone. And so, yeah, that's what what got me into wanting to be an actor. I wanted to tell stories. I wanted to perform. I wanted to express. And I wanted to connect with people.
1: The next question comes from Christian. He's out of Atlanta. Shout out to ATL. And he asks, Donnie, what was the most difficult thing about Ruse Blues? The most difficult thing about Ruth
2: Blues was having to revisit the areas
0: and the parts of that film and that story that were um, really traumatic for me. I think there's layers of that film that were very true, and many people can feel them, um, but particularly when you have to like put yourself in a space to be vulnerable and revisit some things that were painful and then let them go the the letting go process afterwards it's like all right you know you dive into this character you become this character you hold on to it but you end up having to release that afterwards so that it doesn't stick with you and so I started therapy right before like as I was getting ready to film um I did a bunch of things I went to the medical doctor i went and got therapy i just made sure that everything was okay going into it and that itself was a big feat for me because you know i myself can be a little resistant to certain things but i knew that i wanted to have my mental in order before i jumped back into that character so that those things did not stick with me so it was a preparation process
1: i have a question did ruse blues actually play at the pan-african film festival yes oh Oh, hmm. hmm (laughs) <laughs> How was that experience? I was there. I was there. And I was like, wait, I remember seeing this premiere. And I think you were almost at like the last few days
2: when it was like rapping. Yeah, so we had a show on... February 14th
0: Valentine's Day which was perfect and ideal like I manifested that because I wanted to always show this film on Valentine's Day because it's a major theme in it and then we had another one on February 17th so it was one week where we went on I think Tuesday and a Friday Okay. Yeah.
1: How was that experience at the Pan-African Film Festival?
0: It was beautiful it was so beautiful I was able to connect with so many people the support was amazing.
1: Um, we got nominated for Best Narrative Feature. Yay! Hey! Phenomenal. And we were Come the only on. film in the United States to be nominated
0: in that car- uh, category, which was huge for me because of the content and the context of the content and how we open the film. The film is so raw. It is. It, it covers... Um, the exploration of sexuality and how that can spiral into addiction, if it's not nurtured the right way, it it explores black love, where both characters are black men, black gay men, and it's not an interracial or a biracial or ethnically ambiguous couple that we usually see in media when it comes to black love, black queer love. Um, And the lead is a brown, dark brown skin, black queer man and so you know these were things that were really important to me when i realized like what when i woke up in new york and saw
2: that email that we got nominated i could not believe it because <laughs> it was like and then i saw
0: which other places which other films and which other places got nominated in that category as well and i'm like out of all these films they saw something in mind for me to be put up for best narrative feature
1: that was crazy for me. I know, right? And then also we gave people something to do on Valentine's Day. There were people.
2: I was standing in line taking everything in, about to get my popcorn, and
0: the lady behind me, she's like, "Are you in the movie?" In the movie? <laughs> and I'm sitting here thinking she's on the phone asking if somebody is like at their seat in the theater already. And so I turn around, she's looking at me like, "You like, are you in the movie?" And I was like, "Oh yeah." She was. I said, "We're in. Um, we're showing Ruth Blues in theater. I think it was like." 14 or something like that and she was like yeah i'm going to see that and she had she didn't have anything to do for valentine's day and she got online she wow to do. she found the festival and she found our film out of all those films and she said that she decided she was going to come see ours and
2: she really enjoyed herself
1: if there was one sentence as we wrap up ruse blues if there was one sentence that you could leave for people that's let's say have not seen it and or still want to support you in some kind of way what would you say
0: I would say get ready for a good time. The film is funny, it's deep, but we don't let you sink. (laughs) And if you want to support, please find me and find out how we can get it in a city near you or how we can get it in a space where we can can get you to see it because it's so important and it's very entertaining. Um, And then there's other ways that you can support as well.
1: I love it. So as we get ready to wrap our show, it's interesting because you already knew where we were going. And we've kind of curated the end of our show, calling it our therapy session. And it's one of those moments that it really does make you think about just life and kind of how you really become center with yourself. So, Donnie, what are you most grateful for?
0: Right now, I'm most grateful for my perspective. And I say that because there are so many things happening and so many things going on, but the power is in perspective and the way you view things, the way you receive things, and what you choose to see is going to impact the life that you're creating. And so I'm grateful that I have a really healthy perspective on life because it really guides me and it really takes me into the trajectory of where I'm supposed to be with my destiny. And I'm grateful for my angels, but for sure perspective
1: listen we're grateful for you um what's <laughs> what's the biggest thing that you've ever given up
0: oh what is the biggest
1: thing my pride wow really yep
0: yes pride hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is, what's the biggest thing i gave up pride I had to learn how to ask for help several times, and that is not easy for me at all. Like, Mm -hmm. at all. And so I had to let go of my pride and humble myself enough to ask for help when I needed it. Because I was about to think, like, okay, what did I have to give up something huge, like material things? Yeah, there was some tragic stuff that's happened. But when I think about, like, overall, all All of it, really sums up to letting go of pride so that I can receive so that I'm I'm not in a place to where I don't feel like I can ask or be vulnerable for uh, ask for the things that I need
1: my last question and and I love this question because it really does make a lot of people just think about their life Donna you will have been able to achieve so many things of creating so many films and movies and inspired so many people with so much creativity that you've been able to be a part of already just in the early life that you've been able to live. But I think also with all of the people that you can touch as far as with healthcare and policy and your family, that's extremely proud of you friends that, that love you. What do you want your legacy to be? That
0: I was able to show that anything is possible, that I live my life and I performed in the art of possibility. And that's a, a workshop that I just did with middle and high school students. Um, I was asked to do a workshop on filmmaking and I titled this the art of possibility because if masterclass ever reaches out to me, that is
2: what <laughs> I would be teaching on because I think that anything is possible
0: and to be able to create the things in the ways that I have and, you know, sometimes not having anything but making something and making something substantial or attracting and aligning with the things that I desire have come from me believing that those things are possible even when I didn't know how it was going to happen. And so I want to leave that with people. I want to inspire people in that way to where anyone walking anywhere can believe that anything is possible because it's a lot of people who lose hope and don't go after their dreams because they don't know how something's going to happen or they don't have the resources but anything is possible
1: i want to thank you for your time i want to thank you for your service but i think most of all we plural we want to thank you for just every footprint you've been able to be a part of because your story means something for that little black boy that is sitting at home in some city that wants to live and dream and aspires to doing some amazing things and i promise you your footprint means something we appreciate you i want everybody to make sure they support him let's be clear this man has been featured in many many publications but his most recent one is our may 23 impact magazine A beautiful publication. I love the cover. The article was absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Absolutely. Any last words you want to leave any of your listeners, any of your new listeners, and the people that may or may not even know you?
2: Yeah.
0: Um, One, thank you for all the support. Thank you for just being aware of the things that I'm doing because that really does help. And that to understand that I am a beacon of love and light and i'm spreading that and sharing that energy with everybody who's listening and everyone who supports or anyone who might stumble upon anything that i'm doing know that you're going to step into that place and get a whole lot of love and yeah that's what i want to leave you with that i love you thank
1: you absolutely listen we love you i want everyone to make sure they support donnie Hugh at instagram and that is d-o-n-n-i-e h-u-e and then also make sure you check out cafe de la hue and that is c-a-f-e-d-e-l-a-h-u-e and also listen we talked about it today check out ruse blues and you can also support at his instagram at ruse.blues and that is r-o-u-x-s dot blues b-l-u-e-s and of course check out support donate Ask questions at ruseblues.com. Thank you. I appreciate you. And again, guys, as we say at the end of our show, stay positive, but stay creative. Until next time, thank you for tuning in.
2: Thank you so much.